podcast everybody thank you so much for joining me here again today i'm really excited about today's episode and i've been wanting to do it for quite a while um i have been sick for the past few weeks and nobody wants to hear someone hacking and coughing over here or i even lost my voice for a few days so that wasn't going to work out um this past summer i was able to finally after a couple of failed attempts get to the Colosseum, which was the final um, wonder of the world that I needed to visit. Um, And so I have been really wanting to kind of rank all seven of the wonders of the world um, and kind of give my insight um, about all of them. So in today's episode, I'm going to do just that. Um, And if you're curious, the seven wonders of the world are uh, Petra, the Colosseum, Um, Machu Picchu, the um, Taj Mahal, the Great Wall of China, uh, Chichen Itza, and Christ the Redeemer. And they are all based off of uh, a few hundred years ago. Um, They had the ancient seven wonders of the world that um, consisted of uh, the Great Pyramids, um, the Colossus of Rhodes, the Temple of Artemis, um, there were several other mausoleum. Um, there were several different ancient wonders of the world. There are seven of them, um, and most of them are gone. You can visit sites and you can see um, different pieces of them. Like I was able to see um, the ruins of the Temple of Artemis in Ephesus. There's literally like two crumbling pillars um, still left of this great wonder of the world. Obviously, the pyramids um, are still in existence. Um, you can see. Um, some artifacts from the um, mausoleum at Halicarnassus, um, and you can visit the island of Rhodes and see where the Colossus of Rhodes stood, um, but really there's not much else to see. Um, so in 2007, they came up with seven new wonders of the world, and they had like a poll, and you could vote on it and all this kind of stuff. Um, but honestly, there's a ton of different seven wonders of the world. There are like the natural wonders of the world. There's like the modern seven wonders of the world. Um, but these are the ones that I was the most um, enthralled to go see. I have seen, um, I believe, Halong Bay is one of the natural wonders of the world, and it was really awesome. Um, but that's not one of my like bucket list items is to see all seven um, natural wonders of the world. But seeing these new seven wonders of the world were so... It was really cool to finally be able to check that off my list and um, sort of just have that accomplishment of completing a travel goal. So that was really cool. Um, So like I mentioned at the beginning, I am going to rank them based off of my opinion, and I'll kind of explain why I um, rank them the way that I did. Um, Obviously, my opinion is going to be different than yours. So, you know, maybe you hate my top choice and you love my last choice, but you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, So (laughs) you can just hear me out and, you know, if you have any questions or anything like that, you know, feel free to um, message me and we can talk about different different aspects about these uh, seven places. At the end of the episode, I also want to go ahead and give the Educate Your Travel seven wonders of the world. So um, I came up with a list of what I think should be the seven wonders of the world. If I could have created the new seven wonders list, these are the ones I would put on it. Um, and obviously, 
you know, I have not been everywhere. I've not seen everything. So I know that there are going to be things down the road that I'm like, oh, I'm going to switch this one out because this one's way cooler than my one of the seven that I put on my list. I can al- already think of some places that I'm planning on going in the future um, that will probably make their way onto this list. So this is going to be a living list that I will probably change. And um, if I ever update it, I will definitely um, tell y'all during whatever episode I'm talking about it in. Um, I'm not going to be talking about like natural wonders. This is just simply, you know, man-made wonders, um, natural wonders there. I would need more than seven to put on here. Uh, so I'm just going to keep, um, sort of the same theme as the seven wonders are now. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start with my seventh, um, ranked wonder of the world. I obviously have to go from least to greatest to make things interesting. Um, And if you listen to this episode, you probably know that this is one of my least favorite wonders of the world. And it's not to say that I didn't enjoy um, this site or enjoy being in this location. Um, But really, it just does not fit the bill of what I think a wonder of the world should be. Um, So my seventh ranked wonder of the world is going to be uh, Christ the Redeemer, uh, Christ the Redeemer, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and the reason, the main reason, okay, for this is that Christ the Redeemer, the statue, yes, it's a phenomenal statue. It is colossal. It is a huge statue. You can see it basically from all over the city. It's ginormous, um, and you know, it's part of the city. I mean, it's a staple of visiting Rio. Um, it's a really awesome place. I mean, going to visit, going to the actual top um, and visiting the Christ Redeemer statue, the views are phenomenal of Rio. Um, and honestly, that was my favorite. The favorite part of visiting Christ Redeemer were the views of Rio from like the platform that it stands on. But when you take a look at all of the other wonders of the world, the other six, You know, they fit this bill. They were these amazing feats of architecture um, and strength and endurance. And Christ the Redeemer, the statue just does not fit that, you know, that same theme. If we're talking about something built in the early 1900s, why not, you know, talk about the Empire State Building or something like that? Something that was a feat to build that's ginormous, that's known all over over the world. It's if you put the Empire State Building on the new Seven Wonders of the World, you'd be like, "Are you serious?" And that's exactly how I felt about the Christ Redeemer statue. I loved Rio; it was an amazing city. I definitely want to go back. I was literally there for like a day and a half. Um, I flew from where did I even fly from? I f- I think I f- uh, flew from Mexico, um, and I flew to Brazil, and I stayed there for like a day, and then I left. I literally just went there to see. The Christ Redeemer statue. Um, so I definitely would love to go back to Rio, but to see the Christ Redeemer statue would not be a reason at all for me to go back to Rio. Um, so <clears throat> not that it wasn't an amazing place um, or you know a cool thing to see and go do, but for me, it just should not be on this list. And so for that reason, it's number seven. Now, my tip for visiting Christ Redeemer, I'm going to try and do a tip or something um, for each of these. Um, but for the Christ Redeemer, I definitely recommend, you know, especially if you have a short amount of time in Rio, to 
visit the Christ Redeemer statue on your way from the airport to somewhere else. And I feel like for the most part, people are going to be staying on the Copacabana or somewhere on um, the ocean front. And because of that, I mean, the airport's probably a 45 minute to an hour drive from the Copacabana. And the taxis from the airport throughout the city are going to be like base fares. So um, I think I paid like $40 from the airport to, you know, anywhere in the city. And because I went ahead and went straight from the airport to the Christ Redeemer, then I only had to get a taxi from Christ Redeemer to the Copacabana. Whereas if I would have taken a taxi from the airport to the Copacabana, then I would have to have paid for a taxi back to Christ Redeemer and then back to the Copacabana. So I saved a little bit of money that way. Um, and there's really no reason not to. I mean, obviously, if you have a ton of luggage, that's not going to work. Um, but I had my big backpacking backpack and I had no issues. Um, I mean, you're taking a trolley up to the top. Um, and like I said, there's really not much to do at all. Once you're up there, you kind of just wander around, you know, take a picture too. I think I was probably up there at the top for 20 minutes, um, just enjoying the view of Rio. There were so many people up there. Um, it was not that enjoyable. So that was about it. And then I headed back down, got a taxi and I was headed off. Another cool thing is there are some taxis in Rio that take credit cards. Um, so if you don't have cash right off the bat, that's one good thing about paying that base fare um, is that you can just pay with a credit card or whatever. But then also, if you still don't have cash, once you leave Christ Redeemer, then you can catch a um, credit card taxi and pay with a card. Um, so that's my advice for Christ Redeemer, and we'll move on to number six. Now, number six, I think, I think it legitimately belongs here. Um, there were definitely... Uh, circumstances outside of the uh, control, I guess you could say, of <laughs> this place that kind of might have affected the ranking. Um, but number six is going to be Chichen Itza in Mexico. Um, you know, Chichen Itza is a really cool place. It's a huge complex, um, definitely more than just the main pyramid that you see in all the photos and things like that. And, you know, it definitely deserves pretty much a whole day. The main issue I had with Chichen Itza was how touristy it is. And a lot of that also has to do with the fact that I probably didn't get there as early as I should have. I wanted to get there, you know, obviously very early in the morning as soon as they open. But it was like a two hour drive from Cancun, which is where I was staying. Um, the toll roads were a hot mess. And you know, it just, it didn't work out. Um, I tried so hard to get there early in the morning and it just did not pan out. And so, um, because of that, I had to get there, you know, at like 10 in the morning, you, there were tour buses there, the vendors were in full swing and it was just not the, um, the atmosphere that I usually appreciate and enjoy about these places. So that definitely knocked it a little bit. Um, other than that, I mean, the site was pretty awesome. There's not, I mean, you can walk around through the site and things like that, but I've been very spoiled where, you know, a lot of the sites you can go and touch things. You can, you know, immerse yourself in the site. And Chichen Itza is very hands-off, um, almost just like stay on the trail and don't wander off 
um, sort of atmosphere, and that's not what I enjoy about traveling and visiting these cool places. I like to be able to, you know, climb up to the top of, you know, whatever temple or, you know, just put my hands on, you know, a pillar or a column and just feel the history, you know. So the Chichen Itza vibes, I guess, just were not what I usually look for um, when I'm traveling. And so that definitely knocked it as well. Uh, a couple of tidbits um, or tips for Chichen Itza is definitely the toll roads. Um, the toll roads are really expensive. They only take cash. And if you listen to my Mexico episode, you'll understand the story even more probably about the, the hardship that I went through on my three or four days that I was in Mexico. Um, but there are no ATMs like anywhere in Cancun. And if you're going to Chichen Itza, you're flying into Cancun. I mean, it's the closest airport. Um, and, you know, I, I always get cash at an airport and I did not see an ATM at this airport. And you know, yes, it was like three in the morning, so I probably just missed it. But then once you leave the airport, even if there was, a, even if there were a million ATMs inside the airport, once you leave the airport, there are like two ATMs in this huge town. And you know, I'm driving around, I'm like, this is a super touristy place. There should be ATMs on every street corner, and there weren't. Like I just stumbled across one inside of a grocery store. Um, but in order to go on these toll roads, you have to have cash. Like they don't take credit cards or anything. So the first morning that I was going to go to Chichen Itza, I left super early in the morning. You know, the toll roads maybe 30 minutes outside of Cancun. So I drove for 30 minutes. I got there. I had no money for the toll. I couldn't pay with a card or anything. And after a huge ordeal, I finally <laughs> just turned around and went back looking for an ATM and it took me like an hour to find an ATM and by that point I was just like you know what it's too late in the day I'm frustrated I'm not going to enjoy this so I had a, a buffer day built in basically and so I just figured you know I'll just go back the next day and these tolls were not I mean in the states a toll was maybe like 50 cents maybe a dollar something like that at least where I'm from um, but at Cancun the tolls were like 20 bucks 10 bucks and you had to go through several, and it was ridiculous. And not only that, but then the toll roads were filled with construction. And I'm like, I thought the point of a toll road was it was supposed to be like quicker and easier to travel along this route than it is some other route. But there were like so many times you had to like slow down, almost stop, just because there was so much construction going on. Like you had to go down to one lane, and it was, it was just really annoying. So. All in all, I think a lot of the low ranking for Chichen Itza had to do with just the scenario surrounding that trip. But, um, yeah, it's a great site, um, but it definitely, you know, the, the five sites above it definitely, I believe, deserve the ranking above this site. Chichen Itza is a great place. If you're in Mexico, I definitely recommend visiting. It's an awesome site. Um but yeah, that's my two cents on it. <laughs> um, next, number five. So number five um, is also a great site. There are so many cool aspects to it. It's a gorgeous place. Um, and I mean, I don't know what else to say. I'll just go ahead and say it. Number five for me is Machu Picchu. Um, 
Machu Picchu is a beautiful area, and I think that's what... I don't even know if that's what makes it... What makes it famous is because it was just this lost city, you know? Um, and it was just recently discovered in the past, like, 100 years or something like that. It's high up in the mountains. Um, and the thing about it, though, is, yes, there is the architecture and stuff like that that you see in the pictures but it's not this huge built-up site um i was expecting you know like buildings and like temples and carvings and things like that and there's really nothing like that you can walk around the city and it's really just okay here's a wall here's a window made out of bricks in the wall or made out of like stone in the wall and I'm not saying that it's impressive because the most impressive part besides the masonry of the place is that they had to bring these rocks and boulders from like the bottom of the mountain and it's way up high. So that is impressive. Um, but to me, the most, the best part about Machu Picchu is the location and the view and the scenery. I mean, I could have just sat up there for an entire day just admiring the mountains and the views um and it was just so beautiful up there and really that's probably why i put it at number five versus number six just because of how beautiful the location is um that's definitely the draw for me i would go back to machu picchu but really i would just want to hit up the andes mountains um so yeah i i liked machu picchu a lot um it's a unique experience having to take a train there um, through the mountains it's really beautiful um, and then it's just it's a cool atmosphere you're staying in that small little town the Machu Picchu town and it's just it's just really cool and I highly recommend visiting Machu Picchu um, my tip for Machu Picchu is to make sure you spend the night before you visit Machu Picchu and then um, take that first bus up to the top so I think the first bus was at like six o'clock in the morning and I highly recommend doing that. I was the like first one off the bus. I made sure to get like the first seat as soon as you got on the bus. And you know, I was the first one off. Everyone else is like going to the bathroom. There's maybe it was actually pretty packed. The bus was packed at six in the morning. I was really surprised. Um, but I was the first one off, and then I kind of just like beelined it to the trail to get to the top and I was able to hike up there pretty quickly and then just get to a cool vantage point and just sit there and enjoy the view, enjoy the entirety of Machu Picchu just laid out below me there. Um, probably for, you know, 20, 25 minutes or so, just all by myself. It was really cool. Um, there's like alpacas just kind of wandering around, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend getting there the day before into Machu Picchu town, spending the night and taking that first bus up, especially if you enjoy that sort of just quiet atmosphere. Um, yeah, it's a really beautiful place and I highly recommend, um, visiting Machu Picchu. Um, make sure you have to buy your tickets in advance. Um, and yeah, the train ride out there was really cool that you know just winding through the mountains i'll talk about the taj mahal later and you have to take a train to agra as well so i guess that part isn't as unique but um the route to get there is super beautiful and i highly recommend it uh, one other thing that i wanted to mention about that are the hikes um you can hike machu picchu mountain and hawaiina picchu hawaiina picchu is the mountain 
that you think of when you think of Machu Picchu, the one that's like behind the city. And I, if you like to hike, I would recommend doing that hike. I bought tickets when I originally booked this trip back in 2020. Um, and then that got canceled. And then when I went two summers ago, um, they still had not opened up those hiking routes because of COVID. I really don't know why, I guess, because there's like chains and stuff that you have to touch and grab to, um, help yourself up to the top of the mountain. So I didn't get the chance. So this isn't something I can personally vouch for, but watching the videos and like preparing for it myself, it looked amazing. Um, and I mean, if you like to hike, it's really cool just to be like, oh yeah, Machu Picchu, see that mountain right there? That's in every single picture I climbed to the top of that mountain. And it just gives you a different vantage point. Um, you know, there's only, I think like a hundred people a day get to do it. So it's just a unique experience. So if you like to hike, um, do things like that, it's definitely more strenuous looking, um, but it looks really cool. So I'd highly recommend doing that too. Okay, moving on to number four. And number four, number four is interesting about why I put it at number four anyways. <laughs> I kind of struggled with number four um, and kind of number three. I kind of struggled with the top four, honestly. But number four uh, is the Great Wall of China. And when I think about the wonders of the world, I think about, you know, these things were built hundreds and thousands of years ago and you know just basically the feat that people had to overcome in order to build these things which is why Christ the Redeemer is so low because it was like that was built 100 years ago you had all these modern tools and machinery like meh. okay the Great Wall of China is massive and yes I mean it's like tall I've I stood like at the base of it and it's like three or four times my height. It's huge. But just the length of this thing is ridiculous. So basically it just, you know, winds through these mountains out there in the wilderness of China. And on the peak of like every mountain that it crosses, there's like a guard tower. So whenever you'd get up to the top of one of these guard towers and you would just look out into the distance, I mean, you would just be like, wow, this is a beautiful view. And then all of a sudden you'd see like this little square, like miles away on the top of a hill. And you're like, is that still, is that the wall? And then like you could see like the little snaking winding wall and then bam, there's another little square on the top of a hill. And then winding, it just went on literally as far as the eye could see this wall went it was ridiculous and i think that's the reason that it's ranked so high because honestly besides it just being an old wall there's nothing that amazing about it besides just the sheer size length and you know just overall craziness that it is that it took to build this thing um and just to imagine like someone built like hundreds of miles of this wall it was crazy um it was really interesting too because like um i went on a tour and the tour guy is talking about like each general or whoever in the army was responsible for building like you know so many miles of the wall and so we would get to a point and there would be um like a name stamped into a brick on the wall and it's like okay this is this general's ending point like this is the end of his you know 10 miles worth of wall that he was supposed to build during his 
you know, rule or whatever as a general. Um, so that's, that's pretty crazy in and of itself. Um, so my main tip for visiting the Great Wall, I guess you can visit it on your own, but I highly recommend visiting it with a tour guide. Um, China is not a place that I would probably just want to be wandering around um, too much by myself. And, you know, mainly the reason I did it with a tour guide is because I was on a um, transit visa and there were like these weird restrictions about like you have to stay within this zone and I don't know the geography of China that well to be like, am I still within this zone if I go to this part of the wall? Um, am I going to drive outside the zone as I'm going to this other place? And I don't know the ramifications if I get outside the zone when I'm not supposed to. So I just went through a tour that specialized in transit visa touring. And I just knew like, okay, they know I'm here on a transit visa. They know I'm supposed to stay in this zone and they're going to take care of it. And I didn't have to worry about any of those legal things. Um, so that's why I did it. I would recommend doing it too, just because you can get, um, you, I, I'm sure you could have gotten to the places that I got to without a tour guide. It just made it super simple. And I, it did not cost me that much. I think it might've cost me like a hundred bucks. Um, and there, you know, included travel to and from um, my hostel. Um, it included like a cool lunch with a few other people. Um, and then um, obviously the tour guide himself. So, that's my first tip. But then the second tip is to go to some places on the wall that are not as popular. Um, and so there's, if you get on like the website to pick out a tour or like, you know, look at the different parts of the wall, there are parts that are totally restored. So they look like brand new walls. There are parts that are semi restored. So basically they have just kind of went in and stabilized it to make sure people can be on it and walk on it and it's not going to like fall apart. And then there are parts that are completely untouched. So like there's weeds growing out of the, you know, the ground as you're walking on top of the wall, you know, the sides are crumbling, like it's a hot mess. So I highly recommend choosing a tour that takes you through all those different zones and a hiking tour. So you can just go to a tour and it just takes you to a part of the wall. But I picked one where you could hike for like a couple miles. So we started at a spot that was like semi-restored. So like you see, you know, you can see how it's run down and how it's old and ancient looking. But at the same time, it looks pretty sturdy and it looks like a cool wall. And then you hike along and then it's all falling apart and you're like, wow, this is really cool. This is like, I'm just discovering this. And then you walk even further and then you get to like a completely restored area where there, you know, it just looks like it was just built. So I highly recommend doing this because not only do you get those three different experiences of seeing the wall in different states, but you also get the chance of being in weird places that a lot of people probably don't visit. Um, there were several times I was me, my guide, and one other person were on this tour. And so I kind of like lingered behind in the back. And um, there were times like you could just turn around and you could look as far as your eye could see. And there was nobody else on this wall, just you. Um, and it was just really awesome. I like those experiences where it's just like me all by myself at a wonder of the world. That's always just mind-blowing to me. So to have that experience... Um, 
once we got to the fully rebuilt area, there were, you know, school tour groups there. There were like a ton of tourists. Um, it was just like people everywhere. So I highly recommend, you know, getting off sort of the beaten trail on that one. Um, I think it will heighten your experience um, for sure. So number three is going to be the Coliseum. And the Coliseum is pretty epic. I mean, it's a huge, it's a colossal place. Um, and just all the history, like I love that history of, you know, ancient Rome, um, the gladiators, all that kind of stuff is awesome. Um, so I really, I'm, I'm actually really surprised I put the Coliseum at number three. Um, but the top two are just so amazing. So the Coliseum is a great place. It is definitely not as big as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's a little bit smaller, but it's really cool. And I mean, all the ancient history surrounding it is just enough to make it worthwhile to go see. Um, it's definitely a crowded place and it's, you can't really, you know, a lot of these places, if you get there at six in the morning when they open, you know you're going to be good to go and then you might have a little bit of time to yourself the coliseum it's like you have to buy a ticket for each time slot and it doesn't even open until like 8 or 8 30 so it's like you know even the laziest person's still going to be able to get up at 8 30 and show up there if they want to be there early in the morning so you can't really have that experience um i was fortunate enough to be able to buy the underground pass and so um it was me and there was probably like 15 other people, but 10 of those were with an independent tour guide. So it was just me, my wife, and then like two other people um, wandering around with like a Coliseum worker who just made sure we didn't do anything stupid down there. Um, and so even though I wasn't completely alone, you could kind of have little pockets where you're like looking around and there's like nobody where you're at. There's still, you know, thousands of people outside on the main floor of the arena or yeah the arena and then like the seating uh levels um but you just down there by yourself was pretty cool um and that's pretty much the best opportunity you would ever have to kind of have that experience i think um so that's honestly my tip for the coliseum is if you can get some of those underground tickets they're very hard to get um you know they sell out almost immediately but if you can um, try and get those tickets, it's really cool, um, and it's really not that much more expensive. I think I paid, you know, maybe like forty bucks for an underground ticket, whereas a normal ticket's like thirty. So an extra ten dollars for that cool experience is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, the Coliseum is cool. Um, there's so much history there that that just makes up for all of it. Um, and then, you know, the forum and all that stuff is like right outside. It's included in that same ticket. Um, I don't think the forum is included in the Coliseum World Wonder. Um, I know like Chichen Itza, it's like that whole site and stuff like that. Um, I'm not, I really don't know if it's just the Coliseum or if it's the whole site. If it is the whole site, maybe I should have moved it up one, but we're just going to leave it there at number three. Um, I really don't have that much to say about the Coliseum. I mean... It's the Coliseum, and you just go there, and you see it, and it's epic, and it's amazing, and that's about it. It's kind of just like black and white. It's not, oh, look for this cool thing. This little aspect made it way cooler. 
or this made it way worse. It's just the Coliseum. It's awesome. Done. Um, <clears throat> number two. Number two and number one were really interesting, and I had a tough time deciding which was which, but I went ahead and chose for number two the Taj Mahal. And there are a lot of cool things about the Taj Mahal. Um, and really to appreciate, if you just drop down, you know, in a helicopter to the Taj Mahal, you'd be like, okay, this place is really cool. It's beautiful. The grounds are amazing. The architecture is cool. The inlay, um, mother of pearl and precious gems inside of this marble, um, is pretty awesome. It's, it's really beautiful. And then you'd leave and you'd just be like, yeah, Taj Mahal is cool. Like, you should go visit. But when you are in New Delhi, you take a train to Agra. You're in Agra. You're walking down these dirty, nasty streets. There are cows everywhere. There's just like people swimming and bathing in this river right next to the Taj Mahal. And then you go inside and it's just like peaceful and one of the most beautiful places you've ever been it's just such a stark contrast that it has to be a wonder of the world it's just heightens your senses to how amazing the taj mahal is when you've been around the rest of india it's interesting it's just like such two unique contrasting things that are literally separated by a wall and that's it and i think that's one of the main reasons that it is number two on my list even though i think it would definitely be you know top four or so regardless but the fact that you go from the dirty streets to this impeccable you know site within you know a foot of each other is pretty crazy um so the Taj Mahal is absolutely fantastic. The grounds are amazing. You can go inside the Taj Mahal, and even though going inside the Taj Mahal is not that fantastic, I initially wasn't even going to go inside the Taj, and then I was like, I'm here. I have to do it. You know, I might not ever come back here. And so I went ahead and paid, you know, the extra like $5 or whatever it is to go inside the Taj. It's not that impressive. The best, honestly, the best part about paying that extra money to go inside the Taj is that you get to get right up close and personal to the exterior of the Taj. If you don't buy that ticket, you can only, you know, stand maybe, I don't know, 50 meters away and you're like a floor below it. Um, but then once you, you know, work your way, through and up towards the interior then you're able to get up on the level of the Taj you're able to you know put your hands on the outside of the Taj Mahal which is really cool you can see all the details of the inlay work um, and that really is that is the um, the prize I guess of paying that extra money um, so I highly recommend going ahead and doing that even if you don't think you want to I think that will give you a better sense of how impressive this place actually is. Um, so the Taj Mahal is amazing. I really do think the um, the atmosphere really heightens how amazing it is. Um, I mean, when you're standing up there on the Taj, you can look over and there's the river 
right behind the Taj Mahal and then like behind it is just like trash heaps and you know just like nothingness so it's just a huge contrasting scenario um that really makes this place so cool um so yeah I really love uh I really loved India it was one of my favorite places um that I visited in Asia I just love that um the atmosphere of you know the crazy hustle bustle the dirty streets um that I, I like that a lot. Uh, Delhi and um, Cairo really, I guess anywhere in Egypt, really reminded me of each other. Um, they they kind of just have that same vibe, um, just the craziness going on. So it was really, um, I really liked India, and I really liked the Taj Mahal. So I think there were a lot, just like I think maybe in Chichen Itza, there were a few extra circumstances that made me not put it as high. I think there's some extra circumstances here at the Taj that made me put it a little higher. But, you know, that's why this is, you know, my opinion of what I think is the top seven. Um, and so it might change a little bit for you. Um, so once again, my tip for the Taj Mahal is to spend the night, the night before in Agra. I know some people, you know, take a train, they get up early, take a train to Agra from Delhi, visit the Taj Mahal in the afternoon, and then take a train back. Uh, my mom and sister went, um several years ago and I think they took a train went to the Taj and spent the night before they came back but I highly recommend you know going there the night before so you can get there as soon as they open um, you don't have to buy a ticket for a certain time slot you just buy a ticket for a day and then you show up whenever you want so I showed up at like 4 30 in the morning I thought they opened at 6 and they ended up opening at 5 for some reason and so I was the first one in line I raced through security and then I was able to get out there and have literally like 30 seconds all to myself with just the Taj in front of me with no, literally not a single other person in the compound besides me. Um, and that was pretty epic. So I definitely recommend getting there early um, and also buying your tickets in advance. Um, I'm sure the ticket lines at five in the morning are not that packed, but then you have the opportunity of already having your ticket and being in line to get inside um, when it all opens. Okay, so if you've been keeping track and you know the seven wonders of the world that well, then you will know that number one is Petra. And I had a hard time with Petra and the Taj, which one was one and which one was two, but I think Petra went out for a few different reasons. First off, I love the Middle East. That's one of my favorite um, areas of the world. I just love the desert, and it, it still gives me like those Egypt vibes, um, which I really like. Um, and so that has something to do with it. But then also, it's such it's a huge complex. Just like Chichen Itza, you think of just the pyramid. In Petra, you just think of the treasury. You think of like the Indiana Jones, and that's it. But there's so much more to the complex than just the treasury. And it's it's just a cool experience where you're walking down the Seek and it's like a mile long, just like a narrow tunnel, not a tunnel, but like a gorge, a narrow little gorge through this red rock. And then you know it's coming, you know it's coming. Is it going to come around this curb? Nope, not yet. Let's keep walking. It's going to keep walking. And then bam, there it is. There's the treasury right in front of you. And it's like 
you know it's coming, you know it's coming, and then bam, and it just startles you, and it's as beautiful as you think it's going to be, and it's amazing. Um, but then, past the treasury, you can keep walking, and there's like amphitheaters, there are houses cut into the rocks, there are several other huge carved out buildings just like the treasury. Um, it's just a an amazing complex and an amazing place and it's so impressive how it was built when it was built and it you know it might not even be the most impressive building um i'm sure some of these other places were a lot more difficult to build than um, petra but it just looks incredible and so for that reason it's number one in my list i really love petra and i would definitely go back um, and I would definitely go back to Jordan. Um, I did. I went straight to Aqaba, and I didn't even have a chance to go to Amman. And Amman looks incredible too. So I definitely go back to Jordan. Probably spend some time in Amman. Um, but my main tip for Petra is besides getting there super early in the morning. Um, if you haven't listened to my Jordan podcast, you definitely should because that was pretty crazy. But I spent the night in the airport. I caught a taxi it wasn't even a taxi it was just some random transit i'd found on group me through the grapevine um this random dude picked me up at like four in the morning um from the airport and drove me to petra i got there at like six right when they opened um it was crazy but anyways getting there right you know as soon as they opened is incredible there were there was a couple right in front of me and i was like fast walking this whole time and they were fast walking the whole time too because they were trying to get like you know their instagram pics all by themselves out there too um but i got out there they got out there and they went up to like some little little cliff space and so even though i knew they were like back there there was still like nobody in front of me in front of the treasury which was awesome um it's kind of a cheating being there by myself but still kind of counted it um, but my main tip besides that is to make sure that you don't just stop at the treasury. Like I said, there's so much more to see there. And the coolest part, maybe not as cool as the treasury. The treasury is pretty epic, but a close second is the monastery. And basically if you just keep walking along the natural made trail that you can just keep straight and follow, um, it's a couple miles and part of it i mean it's not a strenuous walk but there is some like climbing up some hills and stuff like that you'll end up at the monastery and i was the first person at the monastery which is really cool um i had that to myself probably for like 30 minutes i just hiked up there and found like a cool little rock area to sit on and just enjoyed the view it was really cool there's actually like a little restaurant up there where you can get tea and stuff and they have couches um like the traditional couches with like the pillows that you can kind of lay on and stuff like that they can really just chill out up there it's really awesome um but i highly recommend do not just stop at the treasury if you have you know several hours in petra definitely hike up to the monastery the hike is awesome there's beautiful views um on the way up to the top and then you know just being able to see these extra pieces that not a lot of people go to i bet 90 percent of the people who go to petra go to the treasury and then maybe wander around the bend and see like the amphitheater and stuff like that i bet 75 percent of people that go to petra just see the treasury and then leave um 
Also a tip, apparently when you buy a ticket, you're supposed to get like a free donkey or horse ride down the canyon to the um, treasury. But I've heard people get scammed all the time doing that. So even if it is free, I would not recommend doing it. Walking there is not that difficult. So I would, I'd recommend just to you know save yourself the hassle, just walk it. Um, so yeah, those that's my ranking. Um, number seven, Christ Redeemer, then Chichen Itza, Machu Picchu, uh, the Great Wall, uh, the Coliseum, the Taj, and then number one is Petra. Now, you know, if I just blindly made this list again and came up with an all new set of criteria of how to rank it, they might be off a little bit, but I really, I'm happy with that ranking. I think I can defend it pretty well. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my top seven. You know, I would if you've been to all seven or if you have been to several of them and feel that I'm way off base, I'd love to hear um, your ranking of the seven wonders of the world just to see if you kind of have the same feeling. And also, I mean, it also has to do with what you appreciate. I highly appreciate Middle Eastern culture and history more so like... Um, South American history, Central American history does not interest me as much as like Africa and Asia do. So I'm sure that definitely plays a huge part into my ranking as well. Um, you know, seeing a, a pyramid in Egypt is going to capture my attention and my curiosity way more than a pyramid in Mexico. Even though they're both pyramids, they're both made with huge rocks and they're both incredible. Uh, <laughs> The one in Egypt is going to be more interesting to me. So if you love South American history way more than you love African history, then definitely this is probably not going to um, be your same top seven. So um, anyways, now moving on to my, but I would love to hear your take on your top seven. Anyways, going on to my seven wonders of the world that I've been able to visit um, like I said, there are a few things that I already know that I'm going to be visiting in the future that will definitely overtake some of these in this top seven that I'm going to talk about right now. Um, so this is definitely not a final list because I know I haven't seen everything even close to it. Um, but currently these are my top seven and these are not going to be in order whatsoever. Um, I'm not going to order these. That'd be way too difficult. These are all these are all tops, okay? Uh, my number one is pretty obvious. Uh, it's going to be the Pyramids of Giza. That's the OG wonder of the world. It's an honorary member of the new seven wonders of the world. Um, and it has to be on my list of wonders of the world. It's pretty epic. It's absolutely phenomenal. Just the age of it, the massivity, is that even a word? How huge it is. Um, it's just crazy. I also put a slash and although it's not in Giza, it's, you know, an hour plane line, plane ride away. I also put the temple of Karnak on here because this has to be the seven wonders of the world. And anyways, the temple of Karnak is in Luxor and it is a phenomenal place. The pillars are ginormous I believe it's the largest outdoor the largest outdoor archaeological site in the world or something like that. It's huge. 
the there's not too much um, in terms of art and paintings left. I mean, there's a few places where you can see the color and the paint and stuff like that. Um, but the sculptures, the hieroglyphics are absolutely insane. The Just the scale of the place is ginormous. Um, so the obelisk, just incredible. So I had to put that on there um, with, with the pyramids. So Egypt, Pyramids of Giza, the Temple of Karnak, maybe it's like an honorary eighth eighth wonder of the world um number two obviously i had to put petra just talked about why it's an amazing place number three i put the great wall of china it's it's epic it's huge it goes on forever the fact that someone built that thousands of people built that is incredible to me um number four is the Colosseum. the Colosseum, like i said black and white the Colosseum is the Colosseum. it's incredible it's monumentous and it has to be a wonder of the world. It's insane. Number five. So here we're getting into new, some new things. Number five for me is the Acropolis, um, which would include the temples on the Acropolis. So um, there's several different temples up there. The Parthenon is the main one. And then there's also like the Temple of Nikes up there. Um, and then there's a couple others. So... The temple, the the Acropolis is awesome for several different reasons. One, the buildings and things like that on top of them are beautiful. The you know the columns are ginormous. The architectural uh, finesse that they had to build that is crazy. Not to mention the fact that it's on top of this huge table-shaped mountain. Um, so, I mean, if you're talking about dragging boulders for hundreds of miles to get to a place, like how crazy that is, I mean, they had to do that there too. So, I mean, it has all the makings of a wonder of the world. And so the Parthenon is, and the Acropolis as a whole is definitely uh, on my list here. When I saw the Acropolis, I was like, how is this not a wonder of the world? Like this place is crazy. So I highly recommend visiting that in Athens. Um, it's an awesome place. My sixth wonder of the world is the Angkor slash Angkor Wat um, temple complex in Siem Reap, Cambodia. Um, Angkor is huge. And normally, I mean, you think of Angkor as just like the main Angkor Wat temple, but there are hundreds of temples and there are, you know, tens of huge huge structures um on this site and there are there's probably like four or five main ones that you've seen pictures of but the sculptures the largeness of the scale of the place is absolutely mind-blowing i don't i honestly am not sure when it was built i think maybe like the 12 1300s something like that i think they're not thousands of years old i don't believe but still, they are incredible. Um, they're just, they're crazy. And they're, they're all different too, which is cool. Like they all have the same undertones of like, okay, yeah, this belongs here. But each one is unique. Like you can go to one temple and then you can go to another temple and you're going to see like a totally different type of structure, a totally different type of architecture. Um and it's just really cool just to have all of the different 
um, different types of buildings and structures there in one site. Um, I think it highly deserves um, to be on this list. It is more of a tourist trap. It was really weird. I talked about this in the episode for Cambodia. I went from Cam- uh, from Bagan to uh, Angkor Wat. And Bagan was built around the same time. Um, and in fact, I'll go ahead and break the news here. My seventh. I kind of put a question mark on this one. And maybe it'll be beat out by the, just the Temple of Karnak. But as we'll say it's seventh for right now. It might be a runner-up. But the Temples of Bagan. Um, is my seventh wonder of the world. The temples of Bagan, there's like thousands of these temples and pagodas that are just littering the Bagan archaeological area in Myanmar. And it's pretty crazy just the scale of, you know, all of these temples that were built. There are only, there's like, there's a handful, maybe five or six temples that are actually huge, like large scale like you can go inside, people are like in there, like um, doing incense and stuff like that. Um, that like there's like gilded and things, but for the most part, they're just like these random little brick made structures that families made to go in and pray and burn incense and stuff like that. You know, hundreds of years ago, and they're just still here. So it's really, I, I believe. Like the king at the time like commanded them to all be built but it wasn't like this huge undertaking by the government to be like we're gonna make thousands of temples it was like each family would pay and build their own temple so it's just a unique sort of circumstance so Myanmar is not a real touristy place I think it's becoming more so um, or at least was becoming more so I think some more um, political stuff has happened in the near um recently that has caused it maybe not to be as touristy i'm not really sure but at the time like there were not that many tourists there which was really cool plus it's such a huge space i mean you would go out in the morning rent a little e-bike and just spend all day like i would go through two e-bikes a day because i would just be out all day exploring all the different temples and, you know, you might run into one or two other people um, the entire day. It was crazy. And you would just, oh, look, there's a temple over there. You'd drive to it. You'd kind of walk around, explore, see if you could go inside. Um, if you could, cool, you'd explore some more. If not, you'd get back on your e-bike, drive around some more, find another one. And you would just do that all day. It was crazy. Um, so that site was amazing. And then, but then getting onto the flight from Begon, where it's just so... Um, quaint, not quaint, I guess more respectful, quiet, um, peaceful, I guess would be the word, to flying to Cambodia. And when we got on the plane, I had a layover in, oh, where did I have? In Bangkok. I had a layover from Bagan to Bangkok and then Bangkok to Siem Reap. So, First off, when I flew into Myanmar, I was literally the only white person on this flight. Like, there were no other tourists. Myanmar is like one of the only places where I've ever not been able to just stumble through some English and have known what I'm trying to do or say. <laughs> um, walking around the streets, there was like 
I found this random restaurant and the only reason I knew it was a restaurant is because I saw a bunch of people eating out there and it was like almost like a carport or like just like a, a roof and like picnic tables lined up with people eating at them so I went over there and I was I asked for food I had no clue what I was saying I kind of like motioned like me eating something like food can I have some food and they still were like, what? And so then after a little bit more, I was like pointing at other people's food and they're like, okay. And this was really weird too. They just brought me a ton of food. Like they probably brought me everything that they had, like one of everything. And so I was like, I mean, okay. So I just start eating. And normally when I'm visiting a country, like if I order something, I'm going to eat all of it. Not only because 99% of the time it's amazing, but then... I don't want to be disrespectful, so I'm going to eat everything. But they just brought me so much food, and so I couldn't eat it all. And so finally I was just, like, stuffed. I couldn't eat anymore, so I'm like, okay, I'm done. Can I pay? And they were just, like, they were counting up trying to figure out what I had eaten, and they only charged me for that. So I was like, I'm literally over here stuffing my face, like, gosh, I can't eat another bite. And then literally the whole time they had just, like, okay, you just pay for whatever you eat. So that was kind of interesting. Um, But Myanmar is just so culturally, not culturally, just, like, what am I trying to say? It's not touristy, so it just gives you a whole different atmosphere and experience than you get from most places that you visit just because it's so culturally sheltered, I guess, from the outside world, maybe. Um, it was just a, a cool new experience that I never had before, so I really appreciated that. Um, and then just how respectful and quiet and peaceful and beautiful everything was there. So then when I'm flying to... Uh, Siem Reap in Cambodia I mean we get on the plane and the captain is like oh we're on our way to Siem Reap and literally the entire plane everybody on there is probably from Europe or something and everyone just starts cheering and they're like yeah Siem Reap whoop 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 and I mean Siem Reap is kind of like a party town and so just from going from the quiet religiously respectful begone to this crazy um pub alley cm reap where people are just trying to go party and have a good time totally different um experiences um and so even though uh angkor wat and cm reap is not this sort of um, experience i usually like it is such an amazing atmosphere i highly recommend um, visiting it as well so that was a long around the bush story but just to recap, my <laughs> Educate Your Travel Seven Wonders of the World are the Pyramids of Giza, Petra, the Great Wall of China, the Colosseum, the Acropolis, Angkor, and then the Temple of Karnak slash the Temples of Bagan. My 7.5 Wonders of the World. Um, so yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you have any questions, feel free to message me on Instagram at Educate Your Travel. I would love to hear your ranking of the seven wonders of the world if you've been there. If you haven't been there, feel free to give me your ranking as well. I would uh, love to hear your rationale behind your ranking. Um, and if you disagree with any of my rankings, feel free. Uh, and then also, if you have your own list of seven wonders of the world, I'd love to hear those too. Um, and if I haven't been to any of them, I would love to add them to my list of places that I need to visit. Um, if you would like to see any pictures from any of these places, 
Now on my Instagram, you can check out my stories. I have them all saved from each individual country and then individual posts as well. Anyways, I still have a few different episodes that I'm kind of cooking up. I haven't been on a trip here recently, but I have a few in the works for spring break and then this upcoming summer, so I'm looking forward to those. Um, But until next time, thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you later. See you.